Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and yours. How are you? We have reached the uh, Friday Eve. Yes, we are on Thursday, July the 14th, the year 2022. We've got all kinds of things to talk about, and we're looking forward to spending the next two hours with you. Of course, what makes it all work is having my producer, James Mesh, taking care of business back there in the the uh, master control suite. He's spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 FM. We're also on in Lake Charles, 1041. We are streaming all over the world. Yes, we are. 1037thegame.com. 1041thegame.com. And uh, if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can also turn your television set on because we are being simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on L-U-S Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, the Open Championship is underway at the birthplace of golf, St. Andrews, and uh, the round one is underway. Still some players out on the course. They won't be done till 8 o'clock-ish um, their time across the pond. But Cameron Young in the United States, an 8-under-64, has a two-shot lead over Rory McIlroy. McIlroy shot at 66. Cameron Smith is in third solo. He, uh, from Australia, shot a 5-under-67. Um, boy, Tiger Woods got off to the worst start you could ever imagine. He had uh, double bogey on number one, hitting to a divot, and just, ooh, just has not recovered at all. All had a two birdie stretch um, on number nine and number 10, gave up another shot. And right now through 14 holes, Tiger Woods is at plus five. Man, he's got a long, long, long way to go in this tournament. So we'll update the scoreboard. But right now, an American at the top of the leaderboard of the 150th Open Championship um, at the old course, St. Andrews, Scotland. It's a par 72, uh, 7,313 yards. And Cam Young is the leader after round one. You heard in the two-minute drill, it's quite the celebratory stature. Uh, Kayshawn Butte will wear number seven. Uh, for LSU, there's two jerseys that are revered in that in that program, and that's number seven and number 18. Number 18 is basically for leadership, that steady Eddie guy, and number seven usually goes to uh, a playmaker um, and, and a star of the club. Uh, Teran Matthew wore it. Patrick Peterson wore it. Uh, Leonard Fournette wore it. Uh, 
uh, Derek Stingley Jr. wore it. Other others like DJ Shark and Jamar Chase wore it. Um, so sometimes it, uh, the, the player has a great year. Sometimes he, he doesn't. But uh, this spring, Brian Kelly was asked if he would preserve the number seven and number 18 jersey traditions, which continued under the previous two head coaches, Les Miles and, of course, Ed Ogeron. Well, having researched the numbers histories, Kelly said he would let the players decide if annually awarding them continued. So before his injury, Butte was LSU's most electric player, 83 passes, 14 touchdowns, 1,244 yards over 16 career games. During the season finale, his freshman year, he set a Southeastern Conference record with 308 receiving yards. There was a lot of rumors that Butte, with the coaching change, he was going to enter the transfer portal, uh, but well, he signed a name, image, and likeness, likeness deal with a local personal injury attorney, and uh, he is back. And then he got into Brian Kelly's doghouse, who said, um, you've got to be involved in everything, whether you're injured or not. You've got to be a part of this program. And uh, since that, that, that statement that Brian Kelly used the media to get his message to his player and to his team, Butte attended every open practice, even though he couldn't participate. Um, he improved his... Uh, his GPA, he had a 3.5 last semester, the highest of his career. And now Butte understands that, quote, seven is bigger than football. It's about leadership, encouragement, accountability, and discipline. I had to grow into number seven to understand it already had the characteristics that I was striving for. Um, how good, how good is Shohei Otani? Just asked the Astros last night as um, uh, uh, Houston got beat by the score of uh, nine, a seven to one by uh, Otani, who has been absolutely spectacular. Um, he has been everything and then some uh, as he went last night with um, a dominant performance, um, 12 strikeouts in six as six innings of one run ball that the angels won seven to one. He went two for four from uh, with the bat in his hand and in winning his sixth straight, he had a triple in the angels seven to one win over the Astros um, in major league baseball. I'll tell you what the Astros are, are good. Uh, they're, they're in good shape, but um, let me tell you, uh, You've got the Seattle Mariners who have won 10 in a row, 10 in a row. They've cut the margin of uh, Houston's lead in the AL West to 11 games. They're 10 and 0. It doesn't matter that the Baltimore Orioles are 10 and 0. They're still 17 and a half games behind the Yankees, but they have gotten over the Mendoza line. They're now 45 and 44. So improvement from the Baltimore Orioles. So another game tonight for the Astros and the um, Los Angeles Angels. Uh, you heard the reports in the two-minute drill. Sean Payton, um, apparently, according to uh, the Miami Herald, they're saying that Sean Payton is linked to three teams. Um, and those three teams are the L.A. Chargers, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Miami Dolphins. If I know Sean Payton, Sean Payton's going to go where the best quarterback is. 
And to me, that sounds like the L.A. Chargers. Um, they're, they're, everybody's predicting that he's going to coach again in 2023. Remember, he's under contract to the New Orleans Saints till 2024. So the Saints are in a win-win situation. Um, they're thankful for Sean Payton and, and, and what he has done as the coach of the Saints, brought them a Super Bowl. Now that he's out, if he wants to go coach somewhere else, Back up the Brinks truck and give me all your draft picks. Give me number ones across the board. Give me number ones for two or three or four years. Give it to me. And if you want them that badly, gladly. But give us your number one picks. So uh, we'll talk about that today uh, around 2.30 with John Hendricks. Um the Saints News Network, and uh, we'll, we'll share some thoughts on Sean Payton. We'll talk about some some prospects that undrafted free agents who might have a shot of making this Saints ball club. Um, the Sun, the, the Southland Conference came up with uh, their latest because of the addition of Lamar. They had to go back to the drawing board and come up with another another football schedule, and it's kind of drawn the ire of some people in Louisiana because for the first time in many, many a moon, the biggest rival of McNeese, which is Northwestern State, because of the new scheduling, they won't play. We'll talk to Doug Ireland, who has uh, been long, long, long in tranks at Northwestern State. He's also like, like a very important person when it comes to the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. We'll talk to Doug about the impact and how, how bad did the Southland Conference screw this up? Or did they? And on the EM, you know, we're a couple of days away from um, the Southeastern Conference Media Days at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. It used to be way back in the day, we used to have the Skyriders Tour. And there was a plane and a bunch of riders, and they would fly from one team to the next, spend one full day with them. There about a lot of great stories about dining and pool parties with coaches and such and such. And Bear Bryant holding a fort on his front porch. Um, we'll talk with Glenn Gilbo and see if Glenn was a part of that, but he knows the stories about it. And what does he anticipate coming up starting Monday uh, with the SEC Media Days. One thing's for sure, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Well, the bags are already packed, and they're chomping at the bit because they're heading, we're heading, to Atlanta for SEC Media Days. Tune in starting Monday, July 18th, this coming Monday. It's both RP3 and company, and Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame for the games live from SEC Media Day coverage presented by Bordelon Furniture. Not only will RP3 and Matt be broadcasting live, but they'll also be providing live updates every day on Footnotes and our show, the Jordy Helpberg Show. So kick off the 2022 season in Atlanta with the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, the Pelicans played without Trey Murphy. Good. Um, they played uh, without their first and second picks in the draft. And yet they still had enough to beat the Washington Wizards last night, 106 to 88, using a, a big second half uh, surge to propel themselves past uh, the Wizards. Um, so that was good. 
No, no Mark Murphy, no Najee Marshall, no uh, Dyson Daniels, no EJ Liddell. Uh, it was good to see Zion Williamson sitting there on the front row along with Brandon Ingram and CJ McCullum. It was good to see all that. Uh, it's just, you know, Jordan Harper, Jared Harper had another solid game with 18 points, the former Auburn Tiger, uh, six assists. Uh, he just gets in the paint. He gets to the free throw line, 14 free throw attempts after attempting 12 in the previous game he's under six feet tall but he just gets into the paint by far uh the biggest the biggest surprise the star of the night was divadas sidvidis um didn't play against atlanta but the lithuanian 684 came off the bench dropped 25 hit six threes and the pelicans were up on their feet clapping i mean if he can keep doing that you never know you never know. Um, so anyway, uh, second half, the Pels outscored Washington by 21 points, and they get just another win. So it was great to see Zion and CJ and Brandon and and uh, Jose Alvarado all sitting there having a good time and uh, looking like a fun team, looking like a fun team. So anyway, those are your headlines of the day. And uh, today we are brought to you by uh, the great folks at Cajun Chef, you know, the B. Art family for nearly oh, for decades upon decades upon decades, passing it down from one generation to another, uh, still with the great intent of providing the best Cajun flavored um, things that you could ever, ever imagine. Their hot sauce, second to none. Their Cajun pickles and um, and jalapenos, absolutely second to to none. They're spicy beans, the best. They're shipped nationwide from St. Martinville. They go all, they're all over the country, all over the world. You can find it at your favorite restaurant, find it at your favorite grocery store. But you never know. Some people haven't seen the light. So in your travels, do like I do. Take a bottle of the Cajun Chef hot sauce, put it in your car, and keep it there because Everything tastes better with Cajun Chef hot sauce on it. And you want to make sure you have it at those places that may not be smart enough to have it. Cajun Chef, it's decidedly different and delectably delicious. All right, we'll take a time out. We'll come back. We'll talk more on this uh, Thursday, July 14th. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Johnson throws. Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side. He's in for the score. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And welcome back. You know, you can score a new Apple Watch by sending a simple text message. How's that possible? Well, it's easy. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME to 337-283-8100. That's GAME to 337-283-8100. Now, once you join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and more. It's the game. Game. Text Club. 
Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. James Mesh back in the master control suite in the game studios. He's taking care of business there, and I'm trying to take care of a little business here. Um, Look, college football is uh, right around the corner. And if you're one of those people that likes to scroll and look and check out future college football bets, you might have kind of just glossed right over it, missed it. That's all right. It's only July. It's only July. But make no mistake, uh, when I saw this, this bet is worthy of multiple looks because it's kind of crazy to comprehend. It's pretty simple. Uh, I took a, uh, I, I looked at uh, a place called FanDuel just to show you. I wasn't, uh, I'm telling you, this is, this is the truth. You can bet on the trio of Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio state to win the national title. And only get minus three forty on your bet if it hits. In other words, if you bet a hundred dollars on the national champion to come from those three teams—Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State—and if they do, you bet your one hundred, you get a whopping twenty-nine dollars and forty-one cents. Twenty-nine dollars and forty-one cents. Meanwhile, if you simply took the other one hundred and twenty-seven FBS teams to win it all. You could get plus 270 if that hits. Welcome to college football in 2022. You can nearly triple your money by betting on a non-Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State national champion. You going to take that bet? You going to take that bet or not? It's such a top-heavy nature. Uh, barring any injury to a starting quarterback, I guarantee you the AP top 25 heading into the season will be Alabama number one, and then Georgia and Ohio State, either two or three, whichever one. And after that, (laughs) good luck. Good luck. Everybody's going to say, well, Clemson's going to bounce back, and uh, we're going to see what happens there. Oklahoma, always a powerhouse. Well, they got a new first-time head coach, as does Notre Dame. Um, Texas A&M hadn't finished in the AP Top 3 since 1939. Hasn't played for a conference title in the 21st century. They lost their defensive coordinator, USC. Oh, they got the hot coach, right? Hot coach. Um, Transfer portal victories aside, it's still a four-team win that ranks number 94 in percentage of returning production. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's, it's it's how it goes right now. You got some other teams like Baylor and NC State, a lot of, a lot of buzz on Utah this year. But do they have the talent to stand up to – the big boys. I don't know. I don't know. As for Alabama, Georgia, I say, yeah, they always have the talent to win it all. In 2021, those three schools, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, accounted for 49 of the 125 FBS players who entered college as five-star recruits, 39%. They ranked one, two, three in, in the 247 sports talent composite last year. And the year before that, and the year before that, and the year before that, they recruit, they recruit, they recruit, and that's why they where they are. 
of the 10 national championships uh, from the stretch of 2017 to 21, the invites, seven of them went to Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. They're clearly a cut above the competition. It just seems to be more magnified this year. Coaching turnover at Premier Programs is a part of that. All these programs have new head coaches. Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Oregon, USC, Florida, Miami, Virginia Tech, and yes, LSU. All eight of those schools played in a national championship game in the 21st century. Virginia Tech, 99, but they actually played the title game January 4th, 2000. We've never seen so many historic programs have coaching turnovers like that in the same cycle. And that's why, you you know, with all these new coaches, that's why you got Clemson and Texas A&M getting thrust into the top five despite all the major question marks they have. Yeah, and it helps that Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State return their respective starting quarterbacks, two of which made it to New York for the Heisman Trophy, and the other who torched Nick Saban's defense in the fourth quarter of the national championship en route to delivering his program its first title in 41 years, Georgia. Returning quarterbacks tend to skew preseason rankings a bit. But the top-heavy outlook for Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State goes well beyond that. I mean, they are they, – they just keep acquiring talent. They keep developing talent. Um, so I think it'd be a significant upset if a team outside of that trio won the national title. And that's why the gambling number is what it is. I would say that the minus 340 where you get, you know, 20, 28, 29 bucks if you bet on Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State to win it is a better bet than the alternative. It really is. You may triple your money if you bet the rest of the field, but are you really going against one of those three teams? I don't know. I think the smart move is to not overthink an obvious and fair 2022 projection. I think those three schools are in a class of its own. And I don't gamble, but if I did, I would take the bet and I would bet. You know how they do Tiger versus the field? Well, Tiger in his prime is Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State in college football right here and right now for all the reasons that I mentioned as compared to the other schools that are playing. It's just not that close. So give me my $29.41, and I'll be happy rather than losing my $100 because the other $127 do not have a shot. Just my opinion. You're, you're welcome to agree or to disagree, but – it just seems way, way skewed uh, at this point in time. All right, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or even a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 104 won the game.com it's free it's simple so go sign up today when we return to the Jordy helper show brought to you by cajun chef delectably delicious decidedly different we will talk with john hendricks just what would it take 
as far as compensation is concerned, if Sean Payton decides to go coach the Chargers, the Dolphins, the Cowboys, whoever it may be next year, what can we get our hands on if that happens? We'll discuss with John Hendricks when we return. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we're back 34 minutes after the hour. It's um, time to talk New Orleans Saints brought to you by Eon of Lafayette, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that specializes in permanent fat reduction treatments. And surprise, we're celebrating Christmas in July. Book any package in the month of July and receive 10% off. That is Eon of Lafayette, uh, located at 2020 Rue Promenade Suite 2020 here in Lafayette at River Ranch. If you want to know anything about the Saints, if you want to get all the inside skinny, there's one place to go, and that's John Hendricks with Boot Crew Media. And John is kind enough to join us. Big guy, how are you, man? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? I'm good. Why all of a sudden is the Sean Payton um, thing starting to resurface again? (laughs) I guess it's a slow news day, if you want to call it. I I don't know either. I mean, I think this is something that we've kept Thing, and I guess it's to draw because look, this whole Miami thing and everything that's come out has just been one after another. Like we learned, oh, Tom Brady was going to go to the Dolphins, Sean Payton is going to go to the Dolphins. They're going to pay him all this money and all this stuff. So, I mean, again, is some of it maybe is there validity? Some of it, sure. I'm sure there's something yeah. on the line. But you know, I know Sean was asked about it, and he kind of said, no, that's not really the case. And of course, this is Sean Payton talking. Of course, right. you don't know exactly what. What's what in some aspects, but look, the, the bottom line is Sean is is not is still in contract with the Saints, or he's still he got the rights they think do, and so that's right. the important thing to remember. And then you know this is talking about next year, and the Dolphins just got a new head coach. Mike McCarthy right. is still the coach of the Cowboys. There's still a lot of things that are moving parts and pieces, and the Saints are going to have to get compensation if they trade Sean Payton away. And that's where I want to go. Okay. So let's say this, the, see, if I'm Sean Payton, I'm looking at uh, Tua, I'm looking at Dak, and I'm looking at Justin Herbert, and I'm going West Coast, good weather. I'm going to go with, with <laughs> Justin Herbert and hitch my wagon there. So let's just say that's what happens. What would the Saints command in compensation, in your opinion? Well, look, if I'm the Saints and if I'm trading a premium head coach that Every team in America seems to want, but, you know, right. it's always was one of those situations. He's playing, he's with the Saints, so no big deal, right? And so um, uh, I'm starting with at least a first-rounder and a day-two pick. That's just me. So I think it should be at least a first-rounder, maybe a third, and then let's talk about the future year, right? So right. if I'm looking at it, 2023 first, third, and then maybe 2024 first or second. I yep. think that's the starting rate for a premier head coach who has a proven, uh, a proven track record, has to get the most out of quarterbacks, and is going to put a lot of, lot of yeah. uh, butts in the seat, if you will. Um, so 
that's where I'd start personally. And I, if anything less than that, like I've seen some people say, well, just a day two pick, like a second or third. No. I'm not going to get it done. No. <laughs> and if no. you're in New Orleans, there's no hurry to trade. Right. There's no hurry to do anything, obviously. Let's see what kind of offers come up. We've seen receivers get traded for more. We've seen quarterbacks that may not play this year get traded for a hell of a lot more. So I think a premier coach like Sean Payton is going to be a good asking price, and I think they can find a sweet spot if it comes to that. If it comes to that, and um, a lot will depend upon how this broadcasting thing goes. Um, he's not going to be a full-time broadcaster. He's going to fill in every now and then, from what I understand. I, I just think he needed to get away from the game. I think he needs to reinvigorate himself again. I think he's going back to coaching, and I think the Saints are going to, unlike some of these um, unrestricted free agents that can go where they want to go, and you get nothing in return, at least the Saints will get something in return if if and when uh, that does happen. But they would get more, right, if if he would go into coaching next year. What if he sits out two years? Does that does that put the Saints in a bind there? Yeah, I don't think it puts them in a bind, but obviously it'll change the asking price a good yeah. bit. And, you know, you're not looking at a premier top dollar, you know, maybe necessarily saying, okay, well, we'll give you three picks or four picks or whatever. Maybe those can be the day two picks, or maybe it's just right. one first-round pick. I mean – you know, this is just one of those that you don't see a lot of coaches in the NFL get traded for. And obviously, John Gruden was the big headline when it when it did happen. And so I think it's kind of unfamiliar territory in a lot of ways. And there's a lot to, to more than just saying, OK, we're just going to trade and uh, here's your picks and stuff. I mean, there's obviously compensation. Peyton's going to want mm-hmm. a big contract, I'm sure, to go do it. And, and look, here's the thing I think a lot of people aren't talking about, especially in Dallas. Sean is going to go into a situation where he has practically 98 to 99% control of his team. Correct. And in Dallas with Jerry Jones, mm-hmm. look, I know Jerry wants to have his pot and everything, but I just don't see that happening. L.A., uh, I think that's an ideal situation. As yep. far as Miami, though, that's even a question mark for me. So that's something that people don't really seem to want to talk about. That In New Orleans, he could do practically whatever he want, wanted to. Yep. And, and again, Mickey and him worked extremely well together as a dynamic. Mickey had say and Sean had say, but ultimately Sean's team to run. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think I think if I know Sean Payton and I don't know him that well, but I think he's going to look at the landscape and he's going to go Tua, mm, Dak, yeah, okay, but man, out west, got that young kid Justin Herbert. He's pretty darn good. Uh, I can groom him, and we can go places. I, I think the Chargers would be the place if that if that opens up. But who knows? Anyway. Um, John Hendricks, Boot Crew Media, joining us talking about the New Orleans Saints. They've had a great. Um, amount of good fortune when it comes to undrafted free agents, except last year wasn't maybe a, a, a hit, but years in the past, they they found these what uh, hidden gems. Um, do you think they have some hidden gems that might make this uh, uh, very tough to make roster spot on this team? I think they have a couple of spots, right? And look, uh, you look at last year, and I just actually just wrote about this talking about you know, look, last year was a down year. They really didn't have anything that was, was as good. And that probably spells more, speaks more about their roster than anything. But yeah. you know, coming into this season, uh, Abram Smith, I think, has probably got the best outlook of anybody. Just because that running back room is very uncertain. Yeah. I still think there's a lot of moving parts and pieces in that particular area. 
Don't know what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara. Right now, the plan is him, and behind him is Ingram. But if, if Ingram hurt, gets hurt, Kamara suspended, they are really up a creek without a paddle, right? And so I think Smith, yeah. just given his background as, as a linebacker and then going back to running back, is, is bodes well for him. You know, look, I like Lucas Scroll a lot. I think he's turned a lot ahead. Is it enough to make the tight end roster when you have Taysom Hill and Adam Troutman potentially Jawan Johnson. I think Nick Vanette is a guy that has to bring in a training camp. I think he's on the roster bone, right? And so uh-huh. can he outplay any of those guys and make the roster? That's the question mark for him. Lewis Kidd, offensive lineman, guy from Montana State. I like him a lot. I think he's kind of one of those gems that nobody's really talking about. Room to grow on this offensive line. He's one that I'm paying attention to. And then from there, you know, these guys that can make the practice squad, like Smoke Monday, Dejon Dixon, Rashid Shaheed, um, you know, some guys like that, I think have practice squad potential. But, look, it, it's one of those that it won't surprise me if only one or two of these guys actually make the roster. Um, and Smith, I think, has the best outlook of anybody. Yeah, that, they've got some names in that running back room that, that I, I've never uh, heard of before. Uh, Divine Ozigbo. Who is that? <laughs> Devin Azigbo, yeah, Devin Azigbo, he's a, you know, was originally an undrafted guy from the Saints, and they picked him up from the practice squad. They poached him off of Jacksonville's practice squad last year, one of those guys that was brought in as a reserve future deal. So he's been around the team. Um, Dennis Allen said he had a pretty good camp, somebody that, you know, obviously is, is going to get a little bit more touches. And But I don't know if that's a, a permanent fix. I just don't think you're happy with that if you say, okay, well, we don't have Ingram, we don't have Tamara, Devin Ozigbo is going to be your guy to start. I don't think that's just any scenario that you want to be in in next season, even with the upgrades at wide receiver. But he's a guy that's been around the team for a little bit um, and, and was in Jacksonville last season, reunited with New Orleans, and spent time on their practice squad and was picked up on a reserve future deal. If And, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but of all the positions on a football field, if you have to be lacking in one, isn't running back one of the uh, – none of them are easy to, to understand and to do, granted. That's why they're professionals. But it's a lot tougher for a wide receiver, a lot tougher for a quarterback than it is for a running back. Here, here's the A-hole. Here's the B-hole. Here's, you know, and here we're going to hand it off to you. Go run. Um, I know there's blocking techniques, but if you have to lack something in modern football, running back's not the worst place to start, is it? No, I don't think so, especially given what they have this season at wide receiver. I think some of the deficiencies can be made up there, but at the same time, if you can't get a good running game going, that does hurt you a good bit. And so, look, it's you don't necessarily have to have a, a premier talent there. I mean, even if they had somebody like David Johnson, who they had during you know uh, mandatory minicamp for a tryout, He's a guy that I think could could shoulder the load for a little bit if they needed to. It's just a big thing that look, I will say that I believe that Mark Ingram still has a good bit left in the tank. But the problem okay. is Ingram's also age is not in his favor. So if something happens to him, this is where the problem comes into play, if you will. And so look, you you can be a little bit deficient at running back. I feel that's not a surprise if, right. if that happens. It's just that uh, just only because you know you have strong wide receiver group and you have James Winston it's going to do well and assuming that your offensive line is going to be mostly intact for a whole 17 game yeah. season 
I'm with you. I think, you know, Kamara Ingram, I think Dwayne Washington, I think Abram Smith makes the club. I really do. How many wide receivers do you think the Saints keep on this roster? Because you know Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, and Jarvis Landry are there. After that, I mean, they got a bunch of people. You, you can separate them by a little bit, can't you? But who who do you – how many do you think they keep? And who who do you think the other three or four or two are? Yeah, I would say six at this point. And I would – tell you that it wouldn't surprise me that if they get into a situation where, okay, hey, maybe we can flip one of these guys like a Traquan Smith or even a Marquez Callaway. I think I would keep Callaway over Smith, but Smith is really, really strong blocker, right? And so I'm not so sure that you don't look at trading one of those guys to a team that needs a wide receiver. And then getting somebody like Kawan Baker or Dejon Dixon or whoever that might be to be more of your gunner and special teams guy. And I think that's really where it comes down to is you got to look and see how the special teams, which matters a ton, uh, how that kind of plays out for you. And so I would think six is probably the right number to keep it wide receiver just because you know you're going to have Landry, Thomas, and Olave as your starting three. And then the other guys, assuming Hardy's good to go, I think he's your probably four or five guy, especially returning. And then it's toss-up against between Smith and Callaway. But I think right now, if I had to put the roster together, it's those six that you would bring in as you're starting on your starting 53-man roster. You mentioned tight ends. I mean, are the Saints willing to keep four tight ends? Is that normal? Uh, it's it's a lot more normal because, I mean, that's something they did kind of last year, uh, if you will, not necessarily did, but kind of had some, you know, with last year. It wouldn't surprise me just from – what they think, and it just really depends if you're going to classify Taysom Hill as a tight end or not. You know, what his position is on the roster is probably yeah. going to be something to pay attention to. I know he's going to play tight end, and he's going to he's been in that room with the tight end, but he's also not hit the field yet, something I'm not really anticipating when we start training camp. But, um, you know, again, if you're looking at a tight end perspective, then they might just keep three, and you'd say that's Juwan Johnson, that's Adam Troutman, and Nick Vanette, assuming that – you know, somebody like Lucas Kroll doesn't leap over him at the depth chart. And so really intrigued to see where his position is. Right. They may still put him as a quarterback, but, you know, uh, ultimately having four, especially blocking guys, that wouldn't be a surprise to me. Call me crazy. And you won't be the first and you won't be the last. I got a sneaky suspicion that Adam Troutman's going to get out of this funk and he's going to have a good year. Is that is that crazy? Yeah, I- I certainly hope so. I mean, last year I thought he was a guy that could break out, right? And I, I thought he was primed for a huge role. He didn't have a great camp. You know, I know he was playing hurt some last year, which, again, a lot of these players do, and, you know, not making excuses for him. But, you know, I don't think something that helped hurt a lot of these guys is the inconsistency at quarterback. I mean, you know, the problem with, with Kamara is he had too many touches, and you don't have good receivers that can take the focus off the of Kamara in the offense. And then – so you were able to make adjustments to where you could say, okay, let's key on Kamara, let's key on Troutman, guys that would probably make an impact if you had a better situation than they did last season. So I think that was more of the product of what you probably saw from okay. from him. And, and look, I think he can still do extremely well. Uh, I think he's going to be somebody that they really believe in and count on a good bit. But, but he's facing a pivotal year, honestly, that entire draft class, because it's not just him, you know. Zach Bond's a guy that you got to look at. Um, Cesar Ruiz. I mean, this is a huge year for all these guys in that draft class. And um, Troutman's probably at the top of the list there to say, hey, uh, next to Ruiz. I think Ruiz is probably a little bit higher. But 
Troutman's got to come to play. He's got to put together a good season for this team. Yeah. This is his last chance, I think. If he doesn't, then see you later. Uh, goodbye. Were you surprised yeah. they had the ESPN come out with the the uh, GMs and players list their top 10 players at every position? Were you surprised that the Saints didn't have a top 10 offensive lineman? I know they had uh, uh, McCoy was like in the honorable mention, I think it is. But, man, Ramcheck and company, well, were you surprised? Yeah, I mean, if the Armstead was still around, I think that's one they talk about, but, you know, a good bit. But, I'm not totally surprised there. Ramchek would be the one that I think would have. And if he played all of his games last season, I think it would have been unanimous and say, hey, I don't see any reason why you couldn't put him in the top ten. Same thing with McCoy. I think McCoy would have been an easy guy to probably put in. I said he gets an honorable mention. But outside of that, not really surprising to me. Um, you know, I think this offensive line last year, going back to last year, it was a strength of this team. I think it would have carried them a long way if they yeah. were able to stay healthy. But – you know, injuries are part of game. It's unfortunate that it happened the way it did. And I mean, for all intents and purposes, it was a complete train wreck. So if they can definitely stay healthy and, and be a part uh, of tact, if you will, for maybe 80, 85% of this season, I think that's a huge win. But again, it, it's just a matter of timing. You got to have a solid depth plan for this team if you're going to go in uh, thinking that you're going to have all these guys that play a full 17 game season. Unfortunately, you're sadly mistaken. Yeah. Three years from now, who's going to be the better? Who's going to have the better NFL career? Chris Olave, the number one pick, or Trevor Penning, the number two pick in the first round? Well, if I have to decide now, it's Chris Olave. I just think he's outstanding at what he does. And, um, you know, look, I think Penning still has a lot to learn, right? And yeah. Going into this training camp, you know, he has to win the battle from James Hurst. Chris Olave really doesn't have to fight anybody off, right? He's he should right. start. There's no reason to not have him put in, you know, the top three rotation or outside of Michael Thomas. I mean, I just don't see that as a, a reason why you wouldn't do it, right? And so um, I know that would fix a huge hole for this team. You're going to see it impacted on the score sheet with left tackle. I mean, it's, it's one of those that you really don't look at much until it's a problem, right? And so I think James Hurst has got the huge leg up here. I think he's probably going to end up starting for the team. I, I just don't see pinning – unless he can refine some of those things and woes that happen with his, his pass protection. I just don't see how he takes the job from, from James Hurst. And, of course, when the pads come on and you're full contact, I'm right. really intrigued to see how he does against these pass rushers and what he does from a physical standpoint and all these different things. But I, I'd say three years from now, though, it's got to be a lobby. He's going to be the one that we still say, hey, this has been, he's going to be one of those that you say, franchise player, this is the Saints who have gotten – Tons of contributions from a guy like Chris Olave. John Hendricks, give me a first rounder and a third rounder for the next two seasons, and Sean Payton can co coach for the Chargers, and I'm all game. I'm all in. Thank you, my friend. It's always great talking with you. You too, man. Thanks. Have a good one. All right, buddy. John Hendricks, kind enough to join us. The Houston Astros, one of the hottest teams in baseball. You can see them live and in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle, the winners of 10 straight. Uh, let's hope they're not still winning by July 30th. Uh, but you could be there Saturday, July 30th. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets. A tour of Minute Maid Park, hotel accommodations. That's Saturday. Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
Final time out of hour number one. We'll wrap things up here in just a second on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Tigers and the Astros in Southwest Louisiana. And we are back as we wrap up our number one, a little NBA news uh, for you and yours. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is going to ink a max contract four-year, $133 million maximum contract offer sheet with the Indiana Pacers, according to his agent. And that means now that the uh, the Phoenix Suns have two days to max, the large, to max the largest offer sheet in NBA history. And keep Aiton or let him go to the Pacers for absolutely nothing in return. Wow. Wow. Um, I had talked about making a trade to get Aiton with the Pels, but um, looks like he is uh, he bet on himself and the Indiana Pacers believe in him. And now the Phoenix Suns, what you gonna do? A very integral part to their team and their success. But there seems to be a divide between Aiton and the coach. And I just. I don't know. We shall see. That's the risk that you take. All right. Our number one's in the books brought to you by Cajun Chef. Decidedly different, delectably delicious. It's the best hot sauce on the planet. Uh, we'll talk the rivalry that was that is no longer in our number two. And we'll preview the SEC media days. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Our two next live and local this is the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station open for the end zone it's a saints touchdown it's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves here's your host the blonde bomber jordy holtberg it's our number two of two, and away we go on this Thursday, July 14th, the year 2022. Hope you're having a great, great day. Uh, you got up early like me, and you're watching the, the Open Championship. We'll update you on the leaderboard and what Tiger's doing here, here shortly. But I wanted to, you know, we're here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. And, of course, Lake Charles is the home of the McNeese State Cowboys, and they're part of the Southland Conference. Um, and news came down today and I had to get my good friend on who was one of the most respected journalists in this state and has such a play such an integral part with the uh, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame in downtown Natchitoches at that beautiful, beautiful building. Uh, writing for the Shreveport Bozier Journal, uh, Doug Ireland, kind enough to join us. Doug, I wanted to get into this story and I'll explain it in just a minute, but, but thank you for your time, my friend. How you doing? Jordy, it's wonderful. I'm sitting here on the banks of the Cane River and oh. and enjoying a beautiful day in Louisiana's oldest city. Oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, it, it also, uh, that oldest city had a, a longstanding football rivalry between Northwestern State and McNeese, 70 seasons strong, except for when the pandemic moved things to the spring. They played every year, but now they're not playing. What What happened? What's going on? Well, the Southland Conference, um, you know, has just uh, had a very unique situation unfold. And, you know, Jordy, you talked about you got up early to watch the Open this morning. And, right. and, and 
many of us did, and you know, I was just listening to uh, the XM coverage. Uh, it's tradition. It's the 150th Open. It's a fabulous cornerstone of the sport of golf. Well, 70 years of two college football teams playing each other every season is a tradition. Yes. And it's ingrained not only in the uh, um, culture of those two universities, but the culture of this uh, state's sports history. Uh, we've lost so much. We don't have LSU Tulane every year, for example. Right. Uh, we rarely do, in fact, anymore. But what happened in this case was not the two institutions um, getting on opposite ends of the scale. This was a situation where uh, the Southlands membership has been shaky for about a two-year period because right. the Texas schools exited the league and went to the Western Athletic Conference. Stephen F. Austin, Sam Houston, Abilene Christian, and Lamar all left the Southland and went to the WAC, which we thought was a wacky decision in the first place. And right. it's proven to be something that these schools and others have recognized. Uh, it's a pretty dubious decision to go from being a bus league and all of a sudden start accruing uh, uh, a lot of air travel for all of your teams to go to Expensive. California, to Seattle, Washington, to yeah. to Utah, to Arizona. And um, you know, what has happened is that Sam Houston moved up to Conference USA, paid a $2 million entry fee, and They've got more money than everybody else. Good for them. Um, mm -hmm. But Lamar and uh, Stephen F. Austin and Abilene, um, they, they're not flush with the cash. And I know that uh, uh, there was some reconsideration. Lamar, in particular, decided uh, early this year, you know, we're just not going to keep doing this whack thing. We're going to try this for a year, and it doesn't make financial sense. So we're coming back to the Southland. And – that was great. And then at some point in the last few weeks, the uh, Lamar administration told the Southland, look, we want to exit the WAC this summer, not next summer, as we initially said, because okay. we've done the math. And if we're going to fly volleyball and softball and tennis and, and, and obviously football and men's and women's basketball, if we're going to fly all those teams around the WAC, Huh, we can save that money, put them on buses, pay yeah. the exit fee for the WAC, and be in a, in a league that's a lot better fit for us anyway. Absolutely. So that happens two to three weeks ago, maybe. So the Southland all of a sudden is in a position of, whoa, we've got another football member that we've got to fit into our conference schedule for mm. this fall. Tough situation. Absolute challenge. I yes. don't question that whatsoever. But when it comes to Northwestern and McNeese, these schools have been playing football annually since 1951. And how much importance was placed on that by people doing the schedule? None. Zero. Which makes no, I know there's a new priority. athletic, I mean, I knew there's a new a commissioner, but I mean, this just doesn't make much sense. And it seems to me that both McNeese and Northwestern fans, coaches, administrators alike have to be stunned by this. Can, I mean, can't this be changed? Sure. You know, will it be changed? Oh, no, no, no. You know, really? There'll be the, the, um, statements on both sides it'll be well we know it was a tough uh, task to work out this schedule and 
and it's just we just can't go back now and and and, and come up with another. Sure, they could. Sure, they could. I mean, you know, so it's it's eighty nine days or whatever it is before the first game, conference game. So what if it's seventy six? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I don't get it. And so it's 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 just it's young, and I, I don't want to throw every young person under forty uh, in a barrel and say you don't know what you're doing. But there just was not due consideration given to the importance of tradition, to the importance of a rivalry that truly is a 365-day circle the date as soon as the schedule comes out. And people do that with NSU McNeese and have done that for decades. And then there's so much that will not be experienced uh, by this senior class. I guarantee you the rest of their lives, those seniors – we beat McNeese. I say we because I'm a longtime Northwestern person. Northwestern beat McNeese in Lake Charles last November. And those seniors walked out, got on the bus, and went home so proud, and they'll hold on to that for the rest of their lives. Well, one, both, neither group of seniors will have the chance to contest it this year, and that's wrong. It just doesn't make, it doesn't make much sense. And I think if there's enough public outcry and, and look, let's face it, McNeese uh, was, was about to bolt the conference and, and, and the Southland you know, just bowed down and did whatever they could to make sure they kept them. So thus they have the baseball tournament uh, postseason. They've got the basketball tournament postseason there and good for them. Good for them. Um, this has to change. This just doesn't know, make I'm sitting sense. here in and, yeah, there's grumbling and groaning about it. But we all reckon the fact is the Southland Conference needs McNeese. Yeah. And if that's what it took to get McNeese locked in, um, relatively speaking, McNeese continues to look up and hope that it can make a jump forward. You know, I think all this realignment will, uh, you know, the, the, there'll be factors that none of us can truly anticipate. Uh, um, and, and, and we'll see where that falls. But. Uh, McNeese is a great fit in the Southland Conference. The Southland Conference is a great fit for McNeese. Absolutely. And if it some leverage and bargaining to you know, get the Cowboys to commit, I'm all for it. Well, I just think this this is ridiculous, and it needs to change, and they need to keep this tradition alive. I just just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I mentioned how what an integral factor you play uh, with the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, and what a beautiful facility it is, and what a great job y'all do each and every year. Um, just just inducted a new class. When do y'all start working on the next one? Or you already have. <laughs> Yeah, we, we already have uh, the, uh, in fact, the nomination deadline for the uh, class of 2023 is tomorrow. Wow. And um, anybody can, anyone can nominate by emailing me. They can go to their lasportshall.com website, and there's an easy button that shows you how to nominate. And um, we're accepting nominations uh, through tomorrow. Uh, wow. and, and nominations have already been submitted throughout the year. We have a that's nominations great. committee that's screening them. And ultimately, we will begin the selection process in early August with some voting by email. And then in late August, we will have a meeting uh, this year in central Louisiana uh, where 40 media members, a couple of Hall of Famers, a couple of Hall of Fame Foundation board members will um, gather in a room and hash it out. Man, that's awesome. Is there is there a number that's too many? Do you have a limit on how many people you will induct in each class, or is it not? Yes. No, we, we do. I mean, we, you know, quite frankly, we can induct two dozen a year, and 
do that for several years and not have much, if any, drop in the right. caliber of inductees. There are some incredibly deserving people who uh, uh, you know, ought to be in and haven't gotten the necessary voting support. Because one piece is, when we vote at the meeting, we vote like a political convention used to be in rounds. And in any given round, you can only list up to five names on your ballot. Okay. It's not an aggregate total. It's a point total. So your first choice gets five points. Your second gotcha. choice gets four points, so on and so forth. And it's so painful filling out that ballot because there's 15 more names you'd like to put on there. Right. But you only get five. And and we do. So we have six from what we call the uh, the regular category, which are people um, you know have recently been nominated or have been on the ballot for several years. Then there are two who get elected as, quote, old-timers. They've either been inactive for 25 years or they've been deceased for 10. Okay. And that's the eight-member competitors uh, group that goes in every year. This year we did nine because in the last round of voting, we had elected previously, among the seven we'd elected previously, um, there were four, there were three who were deceased, Tony Robichaud, Eric Andelsek, yep. and Eddie Flynn. And in yep. the last round of voting, we had two candidates who far exceeded the point total to get in, and they were clear-cut. And we said, you know what, let's put another living person in this class. Awesome. And, and, and blank person deserves it. We'll, we'll go to nine this year. And That's so then awesome. later in the fall, we elect two journalists as Distinguished Service Award uh, in sports journalism winners, and then we elect uh, an administrator or a sports leader as the Dave Dixon Louisiana Sports Leadership uh-huh. Award winner. Wow, it's tremendous. You're going to have to build another. You're going to have to add on to this building, man. It's, it's, eventually, you're going to run out of room. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. When we opened in 2013, um, the display uh, has ample space for another 20 years of eight-member competitive classes. And the beautiful thing is we have our, as you've been in there, you know, we have the database, big, I call them the big iPhones. I mean, they're That's right. three feet by four feet, and you can pop up their bios and their pictures, and we have video loaded for some of them now, and all sorts of great information. So the capacity of those is limitless, and we've got quite some time. But I do believe, going back to the depth on this ballot, I do believe we ought to do what the NFL did, uh, was it two years ago now, and maybe last year, and have that super class and um, get some more of these people in who are absolutely Hall of Famers, and we just don't get them in for one reason or another. But way back, way back, exactly the time that McNeese and Northwestern began playing football, 1951, when the Louisiana Sports Writers Association, the parent organization, the Hall of Fame, was beginning to form, um, a sports editor in Shreveport wrote, membership in this Hall of Fame should be so exclusive that in some years, perhaps no one gets elected. Ooh, ooh. And so Man. we have always maintained, you know, you look at Arkansas, no, no disrespect to anybody who's in the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame, but they're putting in 14, 15, 16 a year. Same thing in some other nearby states. And I just don't yeah. really feel that that's what, we should do and 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 the the committee doesn't feel that way and we think we have a responsibility to maintain the extremely high standard 
That's awesome. Um, I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm, I'm going to go call that office and I'm going to see what, what the heck are y'all doing, man? You got to keep this rivalry going. So don't be surprised if this thing, it may change. You never, if there's enough well, of an uproar, you, you just never know. All I know is Tiger Woods shot a plus six, uh, Doug Ireland. And uh, well, he, uh, look, he the did well minus, to get the minus eight. He's got, he, he's going to have to come up with some magic tomorrow, big guy. Uh, you know, admire what he's doing. I just yep. think it's a sadly impossible task. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that he's enjoying uh, the opportunity. Heck, he didn't know if he's going to have a, a leg last You're year. You're right. Uh, You're right. You know, so it's a it's a heck of a story that he's out there playing and playing at such a high level. Uh, so tip the cap to Tiger. Uh, but he's not going to compete again. Not, not, yeah. he's, he's not going to win another not tournament. At the, not at the, uh, at the grand old, uh, St. Andrews. I'm for sure. I see. I thought you were retired, man, but you're still working, but hardly working. I hope. <laughs> right. Well, efficiently working. Efficient, um, that's right. That that's way. what Spurrier always no, said. It's, it's, it's not look, hard, hard to work. Fun. It's, that's what Steve Spurrier said, right? It's not how long you work. It's how efficient you work. So you keep working efficiently <laughs> as you fish and do all the fun things right there in, in the great city of Natchitoches, man. Uh, thank you for your time, Doug. It's always great catching up with you. Jordy, I really appreciate the opportunity and always a joy to talk with you, brother. All right, buddy. You take care. Doug Ireland, uh, Mr. Northwestern State Demon by miles by miles uh, and it's a shame if this absolutely comes to fruition that this rivalry between mcneese and northwestern state in football is going to go away this year and breaking up that it just absolutely makes no sense come on commish come on southland conference what are you doing can't you think before you act think a little bit ask around ask around you think they'd ever do away with auburn and alabama Please, I know it's on a dip, whole different scale. I understand. But for those cities, for, for Lake Charles and for Natchitoches, that's huge. That's important. It's vibrant. Get it together, Southland Conference. Get it back together. Let them play. Makes absolutely, positively no sense whatsoever. None. Uh, it's just ridiculous how these things happen. Anyway, okay, um, let's see. I need to read something, and I deleted it, but give, give me a second here. We'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get it. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, speaking of the SEC, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, is uh, heading to Atlanta for SEC Media Day starting this coming Monday, July 18th, RP3 and company crunch time with Megez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame Radio Row for the games live from SEC Media Day coverage presented by Bordelon Furniture. Not only will RP3 and Matt be broadcasting their shows live, they'll also be providing live updates every day on Footnotes and our show, The Jordy Helper Show. So kick off the 2022 season in Atlanta with the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. We'll kind of update some things and come back. Still to come, Glenn Gilbo will join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll uh, kind of 
take a look back at SEC Media Days and what does he expect to be the the overriding theme of this year's big soiree? That's next here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. You can score a new Apple Watch by sending a simple text message. That's right. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME to 337-283-8100. That's GAME to 337-283-8100. Now, once you join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and more. It's the GAME Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. All right, so the Open Championship um, round one is in the books. And uh, just to give you a quick recap, at the top of the leaderboard, uh, American Cam Young, Cameron Young, shot an eight under par 64. He has a two-shot lead over Rory McIlroy, a three-shot lead over Cameron Smith. Barclay Brown, an amateur, uh, shot a four under 68. Lee Westwood, turning back the clock of time, had a four under 68 as well. World number one, Scotty Scheffler is four under, does Justin Johnson is four under par. Um, Bryson DeChambeau, three under par. So you've got players like Ernie Els was terrific until he blew up at the back uh, end of the round. Um, he was at 1.5 under par. He finished at two under par. Great to see big Ernie with that silky smooth swing that he has got. Uh, local interest Sam Burns, former LSU Tiger, is at plus one. Phil Mickelson, Patrick Reed from the Live to Tour shot even par and Tiger Woods is at plus six. Youch started off with a double bogey on hole number one. He had a great tee shot and it found a divot. And then from there, the ball just woo. He was hitting it all over the place. So he is at plus six on the day. I'm always curious. Um, Mark Kalkavecchia. highest score of the day, plus 11. David Duval, plus. 10. Uh, so Tiger Woods tied for 146th. Uh, whew. NBA news. Um, DeAndre Ayton has uh, the, the Phoenix Suns restricted free agent center is signing a four year, $133 million max contract offer sheet with the Indiana Pacers. According to his agents, Bill Duffy and Nima Namakian, the Suns have two days to max the largest offer sheet in NBA history and keep Ayton or let him go to the Pacers for absolutely nothing in return. I told you I would pay to see two baseball players. I would pay to see Aaron Judge of the Yankees because he's a monster. He's Godzilla. And I would pay to see Shohei Otani, who uh, beat the Astros last night almost single-handedly with the bat two for four, including a triple, scoring a run, driving in a run. Uh, On the mound, he went six innings, gave up one run, unearned, and uh, struck out 12. (laughs) Struck out 12. I mean, it's just... It's just absolutely ridiculous what this man is doing on the baseball field. He is absolutely amazing, absolutely ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Um, he, he just does it all. He does it all. 
Um, and he does it consistently, consistently. Uh, it's just, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Landed two out triple into the right field's corner, uh, corner to score two runs in the bottom of the second, then returned to the mound in the top of the third and retired the side. At one point, striking out Jose Altuve with a 100.6 mile per hour fastball. Huh. Hits a triple and throws it over 100 and gets it done. He's got 19 home runs this season. And his pitching is, is just ridiculous. Um, and he's on one of the worst teams. They're 35 and 39 and 50. But they've won each of Otani's past three starts. But they've lost 10 consecutive games started by somebody else. Since the start of June, they're 6-1 and one when Otani starts. They're 6-26 and 26 when anybody else does. How long is his contract? How much is he going to command when it's time for him to get paid? What is that number going to be? Think about it. Could you imagine him in New York City? Oh, my gosh. Who wouldn't want this guy on their team and who wouldn't open up the proverbial vault? He will be the highest paid player in sports history. History. When the time comes, he is, he's the modern day Babe Ruth. But he pictures it better. Wow. Wow. Um, He's just ridiculous. He is ridiculously good. Um, he's recorded double-digit strikeouts in his last four outings. You know the only other Angels pitcher to do 10-plus strikeouts in four straight ta- starts? How about Nolan Ryan? And all he did was pitch. Nolan Ryan didn't grab a bat and go hit a triple off the wall and run the bases and steal bases and do all the things that he does. It's just ridiculous. Shohei Otani, you were the MVP last year. Who's going to – it's between he and Aaron Judge for the MVP this year. Plain and simple. He could be, should be, might be. Well, except for Justin Verlander. Well, Justin Verlander is unlikely to pitch in the event. So, Dusty Baker, you going to let Shohei Otani be the starter in the All-Star game? Huh. He's been invited to, to be in the home run derby. Wouldn't that be something? He, hit, he wins the home run derby. And then comes back and it's the starting picture in the All-Star game. How about that? Never, ever, ever happened before. Ever. Uh, he's just, I, I can't brag enough about this guy. He is absolutely spectacular. All right, 30 minutes after the hour. Um, let's get back to um, SEC football media day start on Monday. Glenn Gilbo will join us next. And we'll talk all about the big headlines. Not so much Saban and, and Jimbo, right? That's kind of, that is sh- that was 15 minutes and now it's gone so what's it going to be what's it going to be we'll talk about that with glenn gilbo when we return the jordy helpert show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles where you're home for the lsu tigers and the houston astros shohei atani in southwest louisiana the jordy holberg show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best you're simply the this thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it 
Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Sticking with that theme, we have the best, uh, well-respected, does such, has done it for a long, long time. Now with uh, the SEC columnist uh, for our out, OutKick um, and does a great job, our good friend Glenn Gilbo um, is kind enough to join us. Glenn, how you been, man? How's everything? Hey, Jordy, how are you, buddy? I'm good. How do you go from New Orleans and Rummel High School all the way up to columbia missouri to st- did you know you wanted to be a journalist because that's one of the best journalist schools in the country was that the plan um yeah when i was in junior high and high school i, I thought i wanted to be a sports writer okay. and um some uh, my older brother's uh friends told me that uh missouri had a great uh journalism yeah. school and and i yeah. uh, had a great teacher at rummel mike Boudreaux, he was also the cross-country coach. He, he ran the student newspaper there, the Raiders Digest, and uh, he, uh, he suggested Missouri, too. And uh, so I went up there as a sophomore after my freshman year at LSU, when you were at LSU, okay. um, and uh, transferred up there my sophomore awesome. year. So I entered the transfer portal after my freshman <laughs> year at LSU. <laughs> and you quitter, you, Missouri. You're a quitter. <laughs> That's right. That's what I call the transfer portal. I call it the quitter portal. But uh, oh, yeah, it was uh, it was a great place to go to school. It really was. Uh, were you surprised? I, I, I'm going completely off topic here. Just were you surprised that Missouri was invited into the SEC? And do you think if they could go back in time, do you think they would do it again? You know, um, well, it was a great move from Missouri. Um, yeah. Because uh, you know the the Big Twelve was. Or the, the yeah the Big Twelve, which was the Big Eight, it was it was kind of splitting up at the time, and right. they they weren't sure where they were going in that league, and they made more money by going to the SEC. Now, right. I, I I didn't really think I don't think the Missouri fits in the SEC from a geographic standpoint because you know not that it matters anymore, but at the time, you know they just culturally they didn't have a lot in common with the SEC because that's the Midwest. I mean Missouri right. is is the Midwest. They have more no in common with Illinois and, and Kansas and, and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, A&M and South Carolina and Arkansas, those are, those are Southeast or Southern schools, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I just didn't think Missouri fit, but, but that's all gone now. I mean, USC and UCLA are in the right. big 10, you know, you got these coastal conferences now, but it was good for Missouri. And, you know, early they made the uh, SEC championship game. Yeah. Football was like early on, wasn't it like two or three years in a row. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when I was in school, they were great in basketball. I mean, they had yep. Steve Stepanovich and John Sunvold and yeah, we beat and, their butt um, in the tournament. I'm just saying, yeah, go did. ahead, go ahead. You did. Y'all beat them in Houston. That was uh That's yeah, right. that was a, that was a, that was a great team that LSU beat handily that year in Houston. I remember that. Yeah. Good basketball school. No question about that. So um, why should Notre Dame join the SEC when everybody thinks they're going to join the Big Ten? Why why the SEC? Well, I I wrote that that they ought to join the SEC because what better way to get the type of players 
that go to the SEC that beat Notre Dame badly That's in the true. playoffs with, with Alabama than, than to be an SEC team and, re, and recruit to that. You know, I, I think they could just really increase their their talent level if they mm-hmm. entered the SEC and, and they you know they probably need to relax some of their academic standards too but True. you know same same thing in the Big Ten though I, I think you know they'll probably they'll make more money in the Big Ten the Big Ten has bigger TV contracts and bigger population mm-hmm. bases and they're already playing those teams but if they mm-hmm. you know if they're finally going to join a conference why not join the best conference as far Amen. as national championships you know if, you, if you're gonna go i'm with go you. big i'm with you glenn gilbo outkick kind enough to join us or uh year of age were you a part of the old skyriders tour of the sec no i just missed that um i'm i'm a, I'm a little bit younger than than ron higgins he got he got on the tail end of that and he he, okay. he wrote a great feature on that i just saw on on facebook but that that uh let's see i was uh I was at the Tiger Rag in my first job in 83, and I think that was wow. the last year of that. I remember all okay. the coaches coming down to the old Belmont Hotel on yes. Airline Highway <laughs> yes. when, where they yes. had that. Well, now it's a now it's a huge deal. Um, you know, it, it starts again Monday, and 14 teams, and Brian Kelly will be uh, first to the podium. I think he'll be glad to be first and get it over with and get out of the way. They just want to do it and get home. What is going to be the overriding thing? Because I think the Jimbo, Nick Saban thing, that's uh, that's like old uh, crawfish boil water. Eventually, you gotta you got to <laughs> dump it out, and you got to start anew, right? So I think that's run its course, don't you? Or am I crazy? Yeah, it probably has. It, it probably has. They might get asked about it again, but I agree with you. I think I think it's in the past. Um, I, I think the main thing is going to be, you know, conference realignment and uh, asking okay. the coaches about the Big Ten and what what who the SEC might add and and um, scheduling. You know, the schedule was a big topic in Destin, eight games or nine games, and how they're going to do the schedule and uh you know that could really get interesting yeah. if they add a couple of more teams uh before Texas and Oklahoma come in in 2025 or 2024 don't you think it's going to be 24 why why i mean hey, look the big 12 is doing it again uh, <laughs> what is everybody talking about in the big 12 they're having their media why is texas and oklahoma sitting in all these meetings every time texas is on tv they go into the sec you saw it in women's softball you saw it in men's baseball it was like a it was like an advertisement for the sec why would the big 12 not say get out of here go please i know i i agree with uh with with, with coach gundy there um but I mean, they are still playing in the league, and they're going to be in the league a couple more years. So I see why they're there. But but what was funny was they weren't at the SEC meetings. You, you'd have, you'd have thought that one representative of Texas or Oklahoma would have been at the SEC yeah. meetings in Destin. But I asked Greg Sankey and Herb Vincent about that, and they were like, "Well, they're not in the league yet, so they're not going to be here." I'm like, "What do you what do you mean? You know, they're, <laughs> they're going to be in the league." They, you know, it was almost like they didn't want them to have a say in the schedule. You know, God, you're not here yet. Me. You'll you'll play where we tell you to play. <laughs> yeah, you know? so that, that surprises it's, me. It's, uh, uh, kind of funny. Yeah, 
Yeah, Glenn Gilbo with me. Um, all right, you're a fan, uh, and you've got opinions. Um, I'll share mine with you. I'm tired of seeing all these rent wins I know coaches have to have that because of the grind of the season, but as a guy that played, we always wanted to play against the best teams. It didn't matter. We just, we, let's play the best. It, it brings out the best in us. It brings out the best in our fans. So I want to see at least nine games. I want these and one, not one out of conference power five game. And then you can have your two in-state schools, whatever you want to do like that. That's the least of it to me. What says Glenn Gilbo? Well, you know, I liked how Dale did his scheduling because, you know, he wanted those easy wins to, to pile up the W's like they all do, but no one has done it better at LSU since Dale, uh, as Dale, because Dale would always mix in great teams. Yes. You know, he, he, he always mixed in great teams when he was coaching. I mean, he made it, he made it fun. He, yeah. he scheduled like a, like a TV producer would, you know, I mean, Arizona That's State, cool. Illinois. All those great Duke. teams. I mean, he, he yeah. used to play on Sundays. You know, he'd have an SEC yep. game on Saturday and then bring in somebody on Sunday. Or he played Notre Dame going, on Saturday remember, in, in New Orleans and went to Alabama to... the next day. But yeah. um, uh, but no, I, I think that one of the good things about this uh, conference realignment is that you're going to see these non-conference games go away. Because, yeah. um, you know, as the conferences get bigger, they're going to have to play more games and in conference so that's going to eliminate some of those non-conference games, which are ridiculous, <laughs> particularly the ones late in the season, like when, you know, when Alabama's playing uh, Florida International the week before Correct. they play Auburn. You know, those, those are ridiculous. So those, those hopefully will go away. I'm with you. Um Glenn Gilbo with us, you know, the SEC has come out or they've leaked it out to whoever their sources are. We're, we're good with 16. Yeah, that's fine and dandy for now, but you're not done in a perfect world. If you added four more teams to make it 20, who in Glenn Gilbo's mind are the right fit, not only from a cultural standpoint, but from an economic standpoint as well. And we're talking television sets. What do you think works the best for the SEC? Well, the, the SEC is saying they're fine at 16 because they're not leading this. Notre right. Dame and the Big Ten are. So the SEC has to wait right. for, the, for Notre Dame and the Big Ten to make the next move before they move. So that that's all that is. Mm-hmm. They would move now if they, if they could. But I think as soon as Notre Dame decides what it's doing and Big Ten adds somebody else, um, I think the SEC is going to be adding people within the next year. And to answer your question, I think they would be after uh, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, uh, and possibly like a – if they don't get Clemson, or maybe if they do North, get North Carolina, and if they get North Carolina, that means they'll probably get Duke too, because that would be mm. almost a partner. So how cool would that be for basketball, man? Oh, North Carolina, Duke, and Kentucky in the same yes. SEC. I mean, that would be great. And and I I look at it the big picture. I don't look at it as just football. I look at it in all the sports. And look what Oklahoma and Texas bring yeah. to baseball and softball. And I mean, my gosh, look question. what Arkansas brought with track and field. Yeah, yeah. Because you know some of these uh, some of these conference uh, games are, are getting a little tired. You know, uh, 
I mean, the Alabama-Auburn game is great. Georgia-Florida is great. But, you know, Alabama-Tennessee, that, that's not a great game. And, you know, really, does LSU really need to play Alabama every year in football? I mean, when you can play <laughs> Texas every year and, and mix in Oklahoma. And, uh, I mean, I, I just think it makes everything more fun. You know, for, for a fan base that travels as much as LSU right. fans do, you know, trips to North Carolina and Duke or Florida State, Miami, uh, yeah, in, in all sports, you know, I mean, baseball especially, um, you know, Texas coming into LSU to play baseball, they've already done that non-conference, but uh, that would be great, man. I'm with you. Uh, so many question marks on this LSU football team. What are your expectations of them year one? What, 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 what should fans expect year one with, with so much turnover and so much change in the toughest conference in the world? What, what's an expectation? Well, you know, I think fans, one reason why LSU fans often get so upset is because their expectations are too high, regardless mm-hmm. of what the roster is. I mean, sometimes the roster says, yeah, yeah, this is a great, going to be a great year. So you should have high expectations. Like you knew they were going to be really good in 2019 because they returned right. most of what was a pretty good team in 18. That's correct. Um, but but I, they just don't have the roster this season. I, I see this as an eight-win team, maybe nine wins, but that's better than what you've had, you know, yeah. five and five. I think nine would be miraculous. Seven. Yeah, I, I think so. You, you, LSU fans, really, in this first year, they shouldn't be thinking of nine or ten wins. You know, they should be thinking about eight wins and anything after that is Lanyop and just, just focus on – the team playing better and just looking better and getting to the, uh, you know, getting plays off on time, you know, yeah. which they had trouble yes. doing last year, you know, yes. and, and Thank you're you. going to see, you're going to see a better coach team win or lose. Murder. Yeah. I'm with you. Look, I, I've said this before and I want you to see if you agree with this. LSU won a national championship with a great coach and it's, he's proven through time. He's the greatest coach in college football. They won a national championship with a buffoon. They won a national championship with a cartoon character. And now they've got the closest thing to the first guy. Um, the way he runs his business. Uh, the way uh, he demands things, how it's it doesn't seem like there's any nonsense. There's no bad news going on around. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, there's no question. And, and you know what that makes me think of it. The, the fact that LSU could win a national championship under less miles and nearly won two under him. And, and under Coach O, just think how many they would have won if Nick had stayed. Oh, my, I, they, I don't even want to go down that road. I, I, there's, there's not a statue big enough to build for him. No, he, he, he would have won as many at LSU as he's won at Alabama. There's, there's no question about it. No question. And, 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 and if you look at the history, if they'd have had the playoffs back in the day, Mike Archer would have made the playoffs in 87, yeah. you know? And and uh, Charlie Mack would have made the playoffs a couple of times in in his career, like like '69. Uh, yeah. He would have made it with that team, and, and in the early '70s too, when when they only lost Alabama. So that that just tells you how how great a program LSU is, but yes. they just haven't had great coaches consistently. So Madness. so if a guy like Brian Kelly, if he stays ten years, you would think he could win multiple national championships. 
I'm with you. Go get your bags packed. You're heading to Atlanta for uh, how many years have you been covering this thing now in the SEC? What what year is this? Uh, well, let's see. I I, uh, I started in uh, well the, the SEC media days. I started going to that when I was in Alabama in '85, and I've been just about every year since uh, since '85. They used to have that in, in in Birmingham. They called it the kickoff days That's or something right. like that. Yeah. But uh, not as much, Lord. not as nearly as largely a, attended as this thing is. But it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. Well, go enjoy it. Always great talking to you, buddy. Thank you so much. And uh, R U M M E L Rumble Raiders, go to you know where. Goodbye. Now, Jordy, Jordy, <laughs> you think you'd have started for Rumble in the in the back to back state championships, or would you have been the sixth man? Real quick, I'm supposed to go to timeout. Here's a true story. Ready? True story. Now, you know the Catholic League recruited kids. So I'm at a school called Sam Barth. I'm in the seventh grade, and there's this coach wearing a rumble shirt at the game, and he's watching, and so he sends a a note to our coach. Hey, they want you to come meet with Coach Jim Robarts. I said, okay, that's great. So (laughs) so my dad dad and I go to his office at Rummel, and he sits us down. He goes, you know – you're a good player. We really like you. You know, you'll you'll play on the as a ninth grader on the ninth grade team. You'll be on the junior varsity, and, and probably when you're a senior, you'll have a chance to really start on the varsity. And I, and I said, <laughs> I, I guess I shook his hand and went, okay. And I got in the car with my dad. I said, what? I ain't going to play for this guy. So I go to De La Salle. I start on the varsity as a freshman. We go to Rumble. We play him. We beat him. We do the handshake line, and he won't let go of my hand. He goes, I think I made a huge mistake on you. I said, yes, sir, uh, for the next four years you did. And that was it. Wow. True, true story. Wow. True story. Wow. I got to go. I got to go. Go have fun in Atlanta. Goodbye. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right, buddy. Take care. Glenn Gilbo with On Kick uh, with coverage of – the Southeastern Conference. So we shall see. We'll take our final time out of the day, come back, a little birthday wish, and wrap this bad boy up. The Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros and SEC Media Days in Southwest Louisiana. All right, 56 minutes after the hour. Special thanks to our guest, John Hendricks, uh, Sean Payton, apparently. Three teams are in hot and heavy pursuit for him, and we haven't even played the season yet. That's crazy. Uh, Doug Ireland on the just the bonehead deal by the Southland Conference to to do away with the McNeese Northwestern football rivalry makes no sense. And Glenn Gilbo with the the SEC Media Days just around the corner. If today is your birthday, July fourteenth, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with now thirty four year old. Kana McGregor. Yes, indeed. Shout out to Southwestern Athletic Conference Commissioner, Dr. Charles McClellan, who will be the first person representing an HBCU league or institution to chair the Division I Men's Basketball Committee when he assumes the duty for the 2023-24 season. He's been on the committee since 2019. He's been the vice chair, and now he's stepping up to the big chair. So good for the SWAC and good for Dr. Charles McClellan. James, thanks so much for all you do. Thanks for all of you listening. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, two to four, same great stations, 1037 The Game in Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Holtberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy, really. Let's be kind to one another, and let's be happy. Life is short. We'll see you tomorrow. So long, everybody.